1: Child's alive.
2: Child's alive. Hello and welcome to yet another Cholton Live lockdown podcast and this week's show is not to be missed as a very special guest joins us assistant boss and now internationally renowned rock star johnny jackson joins us this week to talk about his burgeoning music career the addicts off-field problems and how he sees the rest of the championship season being decided chat on live team also chat ourselves about the latest updates at the club this week and once more we have a walk down memory lane to relive a classic addicts encounter First Things First, Addict's assistant manager and former player, Johnny Jackson, has been wowing supporters once more this week as he has unveiled his hidden talent.
1: My hair is long, my nails are gritty My underwear don't smell too pretty And I could feel the warning signs Your boss will be on the rise My heart aches like Billy Ray Cyrus We're all sick of coronavirus And I could hear the warning signs Be sure that you stay inside So here we go This virus has left us in a great Without any football, I could soon be on the door So what do you say we're all stuck here at home? shine a flame, We just want to play Oh we just want to play Oh we just want to play
2: Jacko has taken us all by surprise by revealing his musical ability, and he's used it to great effect to help raise money for charity by releasing a number of lockdown-based hits. So I caught up with him for a chat earlier on today. We were discussing how he's coping during the lockdown, as well, of course, the more important issues of the major uncertainty surrounding the ownership at the Valley. But first, I wanted to know a little bit more about Jacko's hidden talent. Charlton Line. Yeah, well, that's right. I've
3: never, I've never, I've never done anything publicly. I've, I played the guitar for a number of years probably since I was. A teenager, really, um, and always, always enjoyed doing it. But it was always sort of a private thing, uh, just a private hobby of mine, really. But um, yeah, I was just messing around with different different songs and different lyrics, and just for a bit of fun, really. Like
4: I've had a bit of time on my hands, you see. So, <laughs> um, and then I was sending a couple
3: out to. I sent a few to Bo and Steve and and the little a uh, little WhatsApp group and they they was all laughing. I, and I sent a few to Joe Francis, who's uh, head of education for the academy. And uh, Joe was telling me, like begging me, saying you got to get one out there. You got to try. And, you got to get it out there. And I was like, oh, I'm not like, reluctant, really. Uh, and he pestered me to put one on the on the Twitter for the, the academy Twitter feed. So in the end, I let him do that. And they put one out and yeah, it sort of went a bit nuts really, like people loved it and a load of the feedback was good. So um, that was when I had the idea to sort of try and try and link it to my charity and, and try and sort of raise a couple of quid and it's sort
2: of gone from there really. Yeah, because it's worked out quite nicely I guess with the with the marathon being postponed as it is that you've been able to find a different a different way to raise money for, for the charities you chose.
3: Yeah, obviously I was, I was disappointed that I didn't get a chance to do it last Sunday and uh, the marathon. Um, and when, when it got postponed, sort of the fundraising got put on the back burner a little bit, just because um, I knew the marathon was maybe five, six months away then. Um, so I wanted to sort of put it on the back burner and concentrate on on some fundraising, sort of closer to the to the thing. But it's actually worked out brilliantly, where where it was in and around the time that I would have run the marathon and. Um, it's put a bit of focus back on the on the charity and sort of helped us to get up right up near what our
2: target was. Yeah, so, so how, how long did it take you to, to come up with the lyrics? Because the, the way the songs have been released every couple of days, it feels like you're pumping them out really quickly, but this has been yeah, like a work in progress for a while then.
3: Yeah, I'd say like I've been I've been messing around with different songs for probably about a fortnight, so I had a couple ready to go anyway. Um but I've got to the point now where I'm running out of ones that, that I'd already written, so I'm having to try and come up with new stuff. So generally it takes, takes about a day, I would say, to come up with the right song and then play around with some different lyrics until you're happy with them and get them right. Um, it normally all comes together in about a day, um, depending. Sometimes, you, Honestly, sometimes you have a little block and you're like, oh, I can't can't work that or I can't get something in or you have to abandon abandon the song because it's just not working or it's too hard to play or sing and stuff so um, yeah so it's, it's good it's giving me something to do you know it's given yeah. me a little, little bit of a bit of a distraction
2: yeah because you've got music in your sort of extended family aren't you sort of like this distantly related to someone in the rifles well,
3: he's my brother in law so yeah. Joel 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 is the lead singer of the rifles and writes, writes all their songs he's married to my sister so yeah. um, and he's really creative Joel he, he actually was released his own his own uh, charity single yesterday.
2: Yeah,
3: um, trying to raise money for the NHS, which is brilliant. And he's got he's got a recording studio in his uh, in his shed at the bottom of his garden, so he can uh, he can knock up some some good yeah. tunes from home. Yeah. So, and what, we me and Joel was sort of sending sending ones back and forth as well, and he's been encouraging me to do it as well because obviously, yeah, you know he's that's his living he is a musician so um i've been trying to sort of compete with him but yeah yeah we we're all into our music in the family
2: yeah i'm looking forward to hitting the next target of course five thousand pounds to drop the yeah. next the next song can you give us any hints as to, as to what's coming up next
3: um well i've got a little uh i've got a little green day cover
2: which oh nice which i'm quite pleased with um <laughs> Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm quite fond of that one, but just, I'm just
3: working on another another one that, that's sort of coming together as well. So um, I'll keep that one up my sleeve, but it, yeah, I've got another one that's, I'd say, 90% written now. So um, it'll probably be one of, one of those, out of those two, because... And then if we hit
2: another target, I guess I'll keep
3: going. <laughs> uh,
2: we have to start putting them targets up. Yeah, nice one. Looking forward to it. So um, obviously away from like the, the music, I mean, how, how have you been? How else have you been keeping busy in the lockdown? We're all sort of sitting here climbing the walls. I mean, would have been at would have been at Leeds today, securing our championship yeah. safety as well. So puts it all in perspective. Yeah. But what have you been doing to, to keep yourself busy? Well, I haven't been that busy to be honest. <laughs>
3: um, I, I mean, I go out. I go out every day for a run just to keep. Keep my running ticking over, and, and, that, and that's good. With you know, your uh, sort of your state of mind it helps to clear your head and um, give you, you know, a, a daily activity. I've been
1: homeschooling with my kids, <laughs> which, which is challenging. Um, that's been that's been a
3: different experience for sure. Um, newfound respect for teachers, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, and speaking to, to Lee pretty much every day, uh, touching base on. You know the goings on uh, we haven't spoken too much to the players we don't sort of I know Bo, Bo's already said it in, in a couple of interviews that he didn't want to sort of uh, be on them too much because you know there's only so much uh, stuff that we can give them like they've got all their running and, and um, Josh Hornby sends all, all the fitness stuff out and we touch base with them every every now and again just so, you know so, so they see our face and you know if there's any just just to find out if there's any, any any issues or any problems. But beyond that, you know, we're not we're not pestering them um,
1: yeah.
3: until you know if we're given if we're given the nods that, that we you know we're close to coming back to training something like that. Obviously, we'll we'll step up our interaction with them and we'll step up the training programs and things like that. But at the moment, it's, it's just a bit of a waiting
2: game. Hmm. Yeah, I, mean, I I guess in terms of keeping in touch with the players as well and we we can't skirt around the fact that clearly there's a lot of uncertainty around the club at the moment I mean do do a lot of players come to you guys for some sort of reassurance as as to what might happen in the short term future at least
3: yeah I mean we're we're trying to keep them in the loop best we can I think it's important you know that they are that they are giving some info about what's going on Obviously, you know, they're aware of, of the furloughing of, of some staff and, and the deferrals and the, they've been involved in them conversations. I haven't, been, I haven't been massively involved in them. I've left that down to uh, Steve and, uh, and, and the boss have, have been dealing with a lot of that and, and obviously the other people behind the scenes in, in finance and, and HR and stuff have, uh, have all been dealing with that. So I haven't had too much input, Um bow keeps me updated and... Then obviously we touch base with the players if they've got any questions for us. You know, we let them fire them across. But it's important that they're kept informed. I think it, you know, especially when you're asking players, uh, staff to take furloughs and players to take deferrals and things like that. I think you know they need to know why and, and the reasons behind it. And, and we're all trying to sort of do the right thing. to to help the club through this sticky period,
2: hmm, yeah, because I, I guess most clubs will, will, will be finding it difficult at the moment. Of course, with, with the lack of income, but I mean, obviously, yeah. obviously, with, with, with Charlton being in, in the headlines for unfortunately the wrong reasons again recently, it, it makes it a little bit more concerning. I mean, do, do you have do you have fears about what what could happen next? I mean, it's, it's it's it seems a bit unhelpful the way the way things have been going recently. I
3: think that's that's a good word. It is, it is unhelpful. Um, obviously you I mean, you try and you try and protect your players especially from from these things and let them concentrate on being fit and playing football. But when it is played out publicly like it has been, that becomes impossible and I think I don't think that has helped, that hasn't painted the club in a good light and I think it's unfair that the club's you know, that has been dragged through that really, because like I said the people people at the club People who work for the club, the staff, the supporters. They're all, they're all good, honest people. They want the best for the football club. So to see it sort of played out and get messy above us is has been frustrating and, and disappointing. And yeah, well, it is concerning. Obviously, it's concerning. We, you know, we all want the we all want the, the future of the football club to be sorted out and secure. And at the moment, when you know we have a power struggle and um, you know legal legalities and stuff like that, it's obviously. It's obviously unstable, and you know we just we need that help from above to to sort it out. Obviously, we need we need investment, and um, we need the club put on a sure footing going forward. So, mm. uh, obviously, we're hopeful that it will happen. But you know, at the moment, we we, we need to
2: see that. I mean, has it ever made you consider your own future? Because I was thinking earlier. I mean, obviously, you you've been here now for a, for a long time, so you've been through. A couple of spells, perhaps, where we, we've had a bit of momentum, like after the, the promotion under Powerley or after the promotion under yourself and Bowyer last year, and we, we just haven't been as a club in a position to maybe build on that momentum. And does, does that frustrate you at this this early stage in your coaching career and, and that stage in your playing career as well?
3: Yeah, I mean it's frustrating because you, you as a player, as a coach, as a manager, if you ask Lee, say the same thing. Like, we want to go as high as we possibly can. Um, and we want to be as successful as we can, and we would love nothing more for that to be with Charlton. But we need, you know, you need help for that to happen. You need, you need investment. You need backing. Um, and it, 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 we would love, love that opportunity to come at this football club. Uh, there's no reason why I can't. It's a great club in London with brilliant stadium. Up. It's crying out for um, for the right investment for me. But uh, obviously, you know it hasn't turned out that way uh, this time as yet hopefully it will Um, but yeah I mean it's a frustration because um, for me to see Charlton get back to the Premier League would be like a dream come true Um, at the moment that seems a long way off but you know things can change quickly in football and if you get the right people in the right positions we feel that we are the right people to to deliver that on the football pitch we need the right people um, in all the other places to to help us along
2: Mm. I mean when when do you first think that you realised there was perhaps something not quite as as straightforward going on here? Because I mean I know when, when when the announcement was made in November there was a few people who tried to tell me a couple of bits of rumblings, then obviously going through January, um, I feel stupid now thinking about the amount of times I asked Bo after a game about is he hope, hopefully getting signings in before into the season. Now we find out we're in this embargo. And when, when did you first realise perhaps it wasn't quite as, as, as clear cut as we were hoping? I
3: think when we found out about the embargo, I think that was that was obviously a worry because we was in January and we, you know, all through November, December, you talk about your recruitment and what you need to help you kick on in January, um, and then when when we found out about the embargo and that actually we wasn't going to be out of sign anyone, um, it was a, it was a concern and a worry because that's not what we'd been told. So when you find out something different to actually what what you had been told. You know, it's obviously going to raise certain questions. You, uh, you know, you you had heard the rumbling I'd heard the same rumblings of what what you had heard before that. But y- you know, you don't know if that's just people sort of scaremongering and um, jealousy and things like that because now Charlton are on the on the right footing, it's seems. So you took all that with a pinch of salt and always always sort of said, well, the proof will be in the pudding. You know, mm. so if they deliver on the things that that they spoke about with us. Then that's that's fine, that's great. You know, obviously they've offered the con- us the contracts uh, that, that we signed, so you know that all looked that all looked particularly positive. You thinking why would they offer us deals and things like that? But then when the um, when the uh, transfer embargo, you know, we found out about that and realised that we wasn't actually going to be able to sign players. I think that was when you thought, well, maybe it's not quite you know how it was sold to us or. or not quite being told the full story if you
2: like yeah I and mean, is there much communication now between the ESI lot to noon perhaps I know you, uh, did you go to the, the mill with him that, that time he came over have you spoken to him much since then either I, I haven't I haven't I mean I wouldn't ever.
3: he wouldn't have a reason to speak with me he, you know he would talk with he would talk with Steve and Lee um, I, you know I'll keep well, well out of that yeah I met him, met him when he came over and he took us all out for a mill um Seemed like a good genuine, genuine man that night. Um, but again, obviously now, now we need his help. Lee and Steve had them conversations with him and, and his people. Um, but yeah, I'm not really privy to that. I'm sort of just concentrate on on, on trying to coach. Really, that's all, that's yeah. all you know. I'm interested in.
2: Yeah, and so I mean, let's I mean let's get back to the football then, because obviously I mean as a child fan, I wish I could speak about football more often, really. But I mean, what, what's your view then? I and mean, we we've had all sorts of rumours about what's going to happen for the rest of the season. I mean. We, we, we should have been at Leeds today. We're, we're in a slightly sticky situation where we dropped into the relegation zone just before it ended. But clearly, I mean, we still had as good a chance as anyone else as, as staying up. So, I mean, yeah, exactly. if, if we can't play the last nine games, I mean, what do you think should happen next? Oh,
3: that's a good question. What, what do I think should happen? Um, well, obviously, I'm, I'm biased. But, I, you know, I, I can't see a scenario where it's fair that, that you... That, you finish where you are now, and uh, like in that in that example, we would be relegated. I just can't see yeah, how that's fair. We we spent thirty-seven match games, thirty-six match games, not in the bottom three. We drop in for one, and then all of a sudden we're relegated without the opportunity to put it right. We, we had nine games where we thought we would definitely, definitely have enough to, to pick up enough points to get ourselves out of it. And you look at. We had to play Wigan at home, so they've had the opportunity to play us at home, and we're not getting the opportunity to play them and at home, you know. And, and obviously, they're close to us in the league, so I'm using that as an example of, of how that would be unfair, in my opinion. Um, so, and I, I think right, this is just my opinion, but I think the EFL would be quite aware of that. They're they're probably looking at scenarios where they upset the least amount of people if they are going to curtail the season how do they do it in the fairest way where the least people are upset I could see a scenario where perhaps there's uh, there's promotions but not relegations um, because I think there'd be a legal minefield if they relegated teams with nine games to go and not given the opportunity to to get out of it and then drop down the league I just just can't see how that's fair Um, but it's it's a real I mean what is the right decision that's you know whoever whatever way you do it someone's going to be upset someone's going to feel hard done by Um, if you if you cancel it you know Leeds and West Brom for me uh, were the two two best teams in the league and were I think definitely going to go up so you look at what the Windfall for that would have been going to the Premier League, and if they cancel it and say no relegation, no promotion, sorry, get on with it. Leeds and West Brom are going to feel hard done by,
2: yeah.
3: as are the teams in the playoffs. You know, so, and we'll feel okay with it you know, okay. because uh, because we stay in the Championship. So it, it's such a it's such a difficult situ- uh, decision for, for people. Mate, I don't envy them to be honest. Yeah. I, I, I guess they've got to try and come up with the fairest way. Mm,
2: what is yeah. that?
3: And everyone else is going to have. Different definitions yeah. of what's
2: fair. I mean, obviously, yeah. I mean, we'd much rather stay up by doing our, our talking on the football of course, pitch, yeah. but yeah, I think yeah.
3: that's the important to say. Look, we all the fairest way is to play out the season. Yeah, of course it is, and we all want we all want to do that. We want to stay up on our own minutes. We want to get back played in games, show people that you know that we was good enough to stay in the league, and you know that hasn't changed. We 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 was confident of doing that for sure, but. The longer it goes on, the, the less likely that looks. Especially, I think you know, Premier League might be different. They might find a way with the the resources that they've got and the money and the exposure. But further down, I think it's becoming. The longer we go, it's becoming less and less viable, less and less realistic. Really. Mm.
2: Yeah, and um, well, just finally, obviously, I guess we, all the talk has, has been about football, but we we still have to remember, obviously, the human cost of what's been going on recently. And obviously, as, as a club, we were rocked by by the passing of Sebo uh, about yeah. a month ago now. And obviously, um, you know, the, the playing staff and all the supporters knew who he was. And I guess it's going to be really strange when we go back to the to the valley eventually, and and he won't be there. Yeah, of
3: course. I yeah, that's the thing to remember. All this talk of football and when it's going to restart and. People, people are still dying. People are losing their lives. We lost one of our own. There it was, you know, a massive part of, of the Charlton family supported us, like for God knows how many years, you know, and was there, rain or shine, home and away, with his flag and, and, and his support never faltered. And we have to remember people like that when we're having these conversations. That that it is only a game, uh, and that lives are, at, you know, are at risk. If 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 it's not done right and it's not done correctly and it's done too soon and um, with you know with the wrong restrictions in place and stuff like that then uh, then it could cost more and I think you know we, we owe that to the likes of Seb uh, and the other people that have lost their lives to, to get that right um, yeah you know, if we can get back playing in a safe way then brilliant and then we can pay our you know our respects and our tributes to Seb when we do get back to the valley because I'm sure he would he would have loved that. But you know, it has to be the right time. I think if you, if you, if you, if you rush it, then you're doing his memory a disservice as well. So, you know, we have to be sure to get that right.
2: Mm. Right, Jacko. Look, cheers for taking the time out to join us on the on the podcast, and we uh, we all look forward to, to getting back and seeing you guys all soon as soon as possible.
3: Thanks Luke. I just say thanks to everyone who's donated as well. Uh, brilliant, and the Charlton fans have got right behind it. So. Thank you very much to each and everyone who's donated. And if you want to carry on donating as small, as little contribution as you like, it, every, every little helps go towards uh, a, a great call. So thank
5: you. Selling a little or a lot?
2: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
4: Cullen trying to take his man on. Chip ball back across. Bauer's there. Pierce is there. there Bauer would And it's done. Yes! Oh, he's
1: oh, oh, Patrick Barr. You absolute German beauty. <laughs> Dreamland! Charlotte has gone! With seconds remaining! We've done it too! it! in! Come on! What a time it's to be zero. here!
0: Wembley! Right? Oh my word! Oh my oh, word! word.
2: So once again, thank you to Johnny Jackson for joining us on the phone. If you want to donate to support Children With Cancer UK, head over to the Charlton Live Twitter page, where we will share the link to Jacko's fundraising page. I might also caught up with some of my fellow Charlton Live team members to have our own discussion on some of the issues of the week. Let's have a listen to that now. On the phone, first up, uh, let's bring in Benji. Ben, how you doing? How's it going? Yeah, good, thank you, Louis. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Have you had a, a decent week?
5: Yeah, not bad. Bit, bit annoying with the weather. It's been raining isn't it, this week, so i um, not got as much work as I would like to so have done. But other than that, all good.
2: Thanks, mate. Excellent stuff. And who else? We've also got Lewis Cat is on the pod this week. How Dean Yeah, good, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Uh, how, how's your week been? Obviously, uh, not not a great deal going on in terms of Charlton this week.
6: No, it's been pretty quiet, isn't it, this week. And on top of that, I was furloughed this week, so I'm going to have a couple of... Uh...
4: So I've got about two months at home, so that's oh.
2: going to be even more fun. So, typically the week I got furloughed, it started chopping it down with rain. <laughs> well, you're going to have to start to work out how to, how to make your own fun. Now, a man who's furloughed for the rest of his life, effectively, because he's retired. Terry Smith, how you doing, I've
4: been practising furlough for a good many years. Yeah, <laughs> you
2: know, I'm good to Yeah, uh, good to have you all. Uh, on the pod. So, I mean, let's have a little a little look at what, what's been going on this week. I'm sort of saying off everything, not too much. I mean, there was the question marks over whether the members of staff were going to get paid. Um, but then, obviously, we saw that they did. Uh, we found out they got their, their pay slips earlier on in the week, and then the money went into their accounts on Thursday. So, then there was question marks over, well, does that mean that Tanoon's actually put some money in? Because we were on, on the understanding that there was not quite enough money to pay... Uh, people this month, but then we've since seen, seen uh, in the answers to the questions from Marian and Mihail, uh yesterday on on the club website that Tanun still hasn't put any, any any money in Ben. So when you consider at the start of the month, the promise was he, he'll put some money into the into the club by the end of it. Well, now April's over and still nothing's gone in. So straight away, alarm bells ringing. Yeah,
5: already like a uh, broken promise. Uh, we've read that he was saying that next month, well this month we're in now he has to put money in because there won't be any money there for the wages uh, at all, that's why I read from the statement that came out yesterday so uh, if I don't know if the situation is that he's worried saying if he puts any money in that he doesn't want to because Southall's still involved mm-hmm. uh, or if it's a case of I don't want to put money in and the ex-directors win their case and then I'm I'm gone kind of thing and the takeover doesn't go through so there's so many questions uh, about at the moment it was nice to have a quieter week rather than the talk sport fiasco we had the week before where it was name calling um, and as the boys said last week it all just got so boring mm. and I know you said it as well A case of <clears throat> the, we can't be bothered for all the name calling and all that anymore and he done this and he done that the crux of the matter is the payment for the staff, so it's good that that has gone through, but then it's another worrying month and we need to get to a conclusion of these things now. And, yeah, I guess it's come down to money not being put into the club where they said they would, so mm. where
2: do we go from here, really? Yeah. Well was interesting, Lewis, isn't it? The ben, 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 of course, mentioned there the one of the excuses for the money not going in is, is the apparent presence of, of Matt Southall still, but... I mean, I'm not entirely sure as to why that would make a great deal of difference because he won't have access to this money now. It's not like he can start claiming it, it's for him and, and for his consultancy fees anymore. I mean, I don't think that's a viable reason to not put the money into the club. That just seems like a an excuse, really.
6: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I don't really understand what the concerns are now because Southall isn't directly involved. I know that he's obviously still got some involvement with these Street Investments but as you say there I don't really see how he would be able to access any injection of funds that were put into the club for his own own personal gains at the moment now that he's not involved in the day-to-day running. Ultimately as Benji said there the most important thing is that the staff and the players and everyone gets paid properly because these are such testing times away from football anyway for everybody with money and salaries and uncertainty around jobs. So to have all this on top of it, you, you know, when you take the the football out of it, you think of what the staff must be going through under such testing times. And ultimately a lot of those staff are also fans. So you're not only worrying about your own future and your stability in life and the security of your home, but you're also worrying about the future of your football club because as Benji touched on there, the alarm bells are ringing massively because if we have no money, if, it, if it's a guarantee that we do not have the money now to pay people at the end of May, unless Tanoon injects some funds, which he's been reluctant to do so far, and I, I personally can't see him doing it at the moment anyway, then it's, it's a serious worry for all of those involved with the club.
2: Yeah, certainly, Terry. I mean, what, what, what were your feelings this week when you realised that the money didn't go in from from Tanuun the mirror and, and that promise had been broken?
4: yeah i think um groundhog day a little bit it, it, you know we were all hoping for uh for, for good news but expecting that then there wasn't going to be and and it, i suppose if we're all honest i don't think it came as a a huge shock that no money went in because of what's happened up to now and you know and i think we're probably now in the same boat that we were a few weeks ago whereby you know everybody's hoping that he might put some money in him a but Realistically, are we are we expecting it? I'm not sure, and and I think we're at the point now where even even the best case scenario isn't great. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, the the thing is that. There are plenty of um, sensible responses coming from from the club about why it hasn't happened. You know, pending court case with the ex-directors, and could Matt Southall get his greedy hands on on whatever money he's put in? So it might have to be a loan, but can he do a loan if it's not going to be his club in a few months? You know, so they're all sensible enough reasons when if, if you look at it coldly. But when you put it all against the backdrop of what we've had to put up with up to now, it's just it's just more nonsense, isn't it? Really.
2: Mm. Yeah so it's, it's it certainly raises uh more more questions than 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 then provides answers uh Ben um I mean, obviously the these weekly questions from from the the supporters trust have I think they've been quite useful actually in in getting in terms of trying to find out roughly how the the people involved with ESI are feeling and obviously, we're getting the answers from Mari Mihail who um claims this week he's he's passed the uh the EFL uh, fit and proper person uh, procedure, but obviously there's you uh, Florica, and again, as with all these new characters, I've never had anyone actually tell me how to pronounce their names yet, so I'm not entirely sure if that's correct. But I mean, saying that 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 person who isn't has has yet to pass this, 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 the, uh, the 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 fit and proper person test at the EFL will put him through the ownership and directors uh, the owners and directors test is, is is its proper name. So I mean, all of a sudden, even if Tanun is able to bring the club forward i mean he's bringing in people this this cloudy who's who's had uh well there's if, if you search his name he's had a, a shady past i think it's is, is one way of putting it he's bringing in people who are currently struggling to pass the the test that a lot of people seem to pass with with flying colors so it doesn't really bode well for even if tanun does somehow pull it out of the bag which no one is really expecting anymore the sort of people he's surrounded himself throughout this entire process from Southall at the start to Florica now it, it doesn't it doesn't bring you a whole deal of confidence does it
5: yeah as you say it's it's odd for him to have these people around him with with a bit of a checkered pass and know with Southall people have delved into that and seen he's had a bit of a checkered pass so were worried uh but yeah he's come in uh and not put any money into the club And you'd think he'd want uh, trusted people with with a decent pass uh, to be able to trust at the club. So, look, I'm putting money into the club. I've got you there. I know what's happening. But it seems with Southall that it's it's suddenly their relationship just suddenly fell apart. And, yeah, no money's been put in because the trust isn't there. And that just seems extremely odd to me. And now these two chaps are in place to try and hold fault at the club for a little while. And, As you said, these supporters' trust questions that we're having are good because at least we're getting some communication from someone that isn't mudslinging at someone else. Um, But again, their actions need to be proven now and we've seen that their money hasn't come in. So it's going to be a very important month to Mm. sort things out and make sure that we've got a club going forward.
2: Yeah, I mean, you say no mudslinging, but even then, we are getting the odd bit, really, aren't we? They're using it to... Uh, claim that, that Matt Southall and Lee Amos are still putting um, invoices into the club. Um, however, and, and they say, in the last few days, Southall and Amos have submitted new invoices. However, they will not be paid as We couldn't find either uh, a contract or proof of work uh, order. Um, so there there is still stuff like that. I mean, one sort of sort of stepping away from the immediate Charlton concern is, I mean, the some of the names that have come up in this situation, Lewis... They have come up at other clubs as well. And I don't know if if it's interesting that there's a pattern emerging where the likes of people on both sides of this situation... I mean, Matt Southall was sniffing around uh, Bolton, as we as we well know, with Lawrence Bassini. Um, obviously, the, the, the links to, to Berry with some of the people who've got paid uh, in, uh, invoices, according to some of the leaks. Uh, I think even uh, uh, Paul, M- M- Paul McCarthy... Uh, the uh, the PA guy has been linked with some of these other clubs at other times as well. It's bizarre, um, and the finance guy Chris McHugh was at, um uh, Sean McHugh sorry was at um, was at Bolton Wanderers as well. The fact that these same names keep coming up at clubs in trouble seems a bit of a coincidence, doesn't it?
6: It does, um, and also rather concerning because you only have to look at, as you say, the, the troubled times that have followed for clubs like. Bolton and very obviously, the, the sort of the standout example of that. Um, just what it means for us to sort of have those people in and around the club, and, and also how they've managed to be yeah you know, still be involved with with an EFL football club after having some of the members go through the problems that they have. You know, you, the the financial woes at Bolton. I mean, they were once a, a you know Premier League football club playing in Europe. Look where they are now. You know they might escape relegation. might we'll come on to that later. Um, you've got and Berry obviously are the most standout one because you know they've actually been expelled from the from the competition as a whole. And and you know that's if people like that are involved in those football clubs during these times, how are they then allowed to have involvement in other football clubs going forward? You know it's it's hard to sort of prove where the fault lies, but when you see it happening time after time and, and Matt Southall, especially you see his name pop up at Bolton and Berry. And I think he even pops up at Aston Villa when they were in a bit of trouble as well. You've got to be sort of raising your eyebrows. Thinking, well, Hang on a minute. Like, how is he still being allowed to to have some kind of influential role at a professional football club? If his track record suggests that it hasn't gone very well for, for previous employers.
2: Hmm. Yeah. And it's, uh, it is baffling, isn't it? Um, Terry, um, uh, so, something else as well that came out of the questions yesterday Terry is the fact that I mean there were these weird uh, you know again when, when when the finances were leaked a little while ago I mean the names of uh, uh, Mr. Van Seventer and Mr. Hurst came up who again had been paid money and, and I mean people tried to link those more to the to Noon Lemire side rather than the, the Matt Southall side of the whole equation but I mean the, the questions yesterday uh, Marion is saying he has no awareness of of, of who these people are, or, or he says he's, yeah. ne- he's never worked with them. So I mean, I mean that does raise questions from the from, from the Tanoon side as well. It's just
4: uh, from one bizarre thread to another. I mean, it, it, it seems like we've uh, we've gatecrashed the worst speed dating event on the planet. Uh, uh, you know, run by the, sort of the vulture volunteer organisation. It, it's just. <laughs> You can't script it, can you? I mean, if if you wanted to do a catalogue of things that have to go wrong to, uh, to a football club for it to uh, for it to go, you know, really messy, then every single one of these uh, things that happened to us would be in there, wouldn't it? Mm. It's you know, and and that's I think beginning to really you know um, cast shadows and doubts over 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 the current people that are involved in in the club. I mean, we know fifty percent of of what we had is or thirty five percent, isn't it officially? Um, is is wrong. Uh, but you know what's what's the outcome of of, of the other people that own us and the other people that supposedly own us and and the, you know the person that still owns the club, uh, the ground and the, and the training ground. You know, it's just as I said earlier. You know, the best case scenario is still not great, and, and even if um, the extractors manage to um, revoke the deal, and we go back to um, uh, I suppose to Châtelet's ownership. He doesn't want the club, so uh, it does look like he wants to keep his his mitts on the on the ground and the training ground. So, are we able to get somebody who's willing to invest in a you know, not just buying the, the the football club itself? They've then got to be able to prove to uh, to be able to run it, and that's that's 25, 30 million whatever it is, over a course of a period. And who's gonna Who's going to want to do that without the um, the benefit of having having any uh, any property to play on?
2: Mm, yeah. So so many. Uh, difficulties that the club are going to have to overcome uh, in the future, not least as well. I guess to, to change the subject slightly, only if we try and get back to football. Uh, I guess there's been some sort of uh, rumours going around this week, and we heard we heard Johnny Jackson's views on it earlier on in the show um, about how the the EFL season might play out now because it's it's looking harder and harder to, that they're actually going to get a chance to to play out these games. So one rumour that's going around at the moment is that. Um, relega- there will be no relegation but there will be some form of promotion I mean it, I uh, I don't envy as Jacko said whoever has to come to make this decision um, but Ben I guess in in a way if it's impossible to play the rest of the games which I think is probably possible while we're still going through the, the situation with the virus then they, they may have found almost a compromise that, that people will expe- uh, accept there so obviously teams like Charlton who could still save their skin if they had nine games left to play Will be let off the hook. Um, it, it might be a bit of a a boy to someone like Bolton, who have clearly got no chance of staying up, but will be given uh, given a let off there. Uh, and the teams that who are currently in the promotion situation looks like they might get a chance to go up. So, in a way, I mean, I'm sure teams just outside the automatic promotion places will be slightly disappointed with that, but they've sort of found a possible way out there. What do, what do you think of it, Ben? Do you think that could be considered fair? Yeah. Uh- out of all the
5: options I've heard, I think that's more of a fair one than, than what's been banded about. Uh, I think Leeds and West Brom, look, this season it seems like they're the runaway teams and it would be very harsh for them to start again, especially, we all know the history behind Leeds, uh, always struggling to get promoted, lost in the playoff semi-finals last year, Um so I think if we were in that position as a club, I'd be guided to have to go through a whole season again, um, being how good they've been this season, to try again. And I guess the same with West Brom. So I, I think it's easier in our league. I think because there's been two runaway teams in them two, but it might be harder as you say in other leagues. But yeah, teams like Bolton, um, uh, teams like Norwich in the Premier League will be uh, will, will be very thankful for that. But I think it just makes sense, otherwise otherwise we're just going to be playing catch-up all the time and then you're risking the health of the players playing so many games in so many days and I think I read uh, the other day on Twitter that um, the, I know they're trying to start football up again in Germany but then there was a team in the third league out there and three of their players gone back to training and then contracted coronavirus yeah, I think we've all just got to chill out for a while. And uh, however frustrating that may be, because we've got no football to watch, we've just got to sit it out and try and work out the best case scenario to how people can find it fair.
2: Really. Mm, yeah, and I guess Lewis, there's a, there's a moral question about you know the idea of the, the players coming back and trying to just almost stay in a bubble, but but play their games. But therefore they'd need to be tested so much that surely even if it you know sure if you're buying the tests off some sort of private private entity you're still in a way taking those tests away from the front line because they could have been sold to the government who who clearly have um uh, you know need need as many tests as it's possible to get
6: yeah exactly and i mean as much as you know we as a nation will want football to return you kind of have to think sensibly about about how the what the impact would be um, especially on the players, you know, because they're going to be, I imagine if they're, if they're going to have to play these games out, they're going to be isolated because if they go home to families or whatever, they've still got a risk of contracting it from, from family members. Um, so I, I imagine they'll have to be isolated with, with their teams, which if you think about the time it's going to take to play out the rest of the season, that's you know, it's not ideal to be away from your family for that long. Um, and then also, I think that as we've touched on it with that last question really about how you complete the league I think that the onus has to be that we probably do have to accept that this season is not going to kick on again I mean like you say the whole time that we're in a lockdown the players can't go back training you know there's not going to be football played in front of supporters for the foreseeable do you really just sort of think look realistically can we end this by playing it probably not I like the idea that was suggested there about uh, no relegations, but you've got to maybe reward teams that have excelled at the top and give them a chance to get promoted. Um, So I I think we have to look at ending the season on those grounds and then sort of putting in the preparation now to look at the ways that football can resume correctly and safely for next season. Mm. Um, Because this season now, I just can't see any football resuming until late June, July then that has a knock-on effect to next season. You've got the Euros next year uh, as well. Next summer, followed by World Cup. The summer after that, I think you, you have to look at it sensibly and think that other leagues around the world are now slowly starting to to cancel the seasons. I think maybe that's what we should look at doing now and just focus on bringing football back properly and safely uh, in August, as we would have done uh, had
2: this not happened. Yeah, because Terry, I mean, at the start of this, I was I remember saying, you know, I can't see a way it could be done fairly without the last nine games. Being played, but as, as it as it's become clearer and clearer that we're going to be very shortly in, in a situation where players' contracts have run out, then it is about trying to find that balance. And well, as it stands, this is probably the the, the closest we're going to get. I mean, don't get me wrong; you'll still you'll still get the teams that are a couple of points outside the the playoffs or or whatever in in different divisions, or a couple of points outside the autos, being a bit frustrated. Or the teams in the playoffs, if if it turns out that they don't get a chance to go into that lottery at the end, they're, they're going to feel Robbed a bit, and no one's ever. You're never going to get a situation where everyone's happy, I guess.
4: No, it's impossible, and uh, and I think you know, sadly, uh, it's the nature of things that um, that you know a decision like this um, is likely to pander to, to to you know to the bigger leagues and the bigger clubs. You know, they want the Premier League to finish because Liverpool are so far clear. There's no way, you know, it's their first title for 30 years. There shouldn't be no way that anyone anybody would have caught them. So. They should. They know. They want to hand Liverpool to Titan, and I get that. But then they have to be seen to be doing that across the divisions. And and Leeds is the same. Leeds, you know, need to be back in the Premier League. You know, because of the uh, according to the television people, anyway, because of the uh, the, the revenue they bring in and the the crowds that they attract, etc. And I get that. And in the championship, it's not such a bad, you know, it's not such a bad situation because Leeds and West Brom are comfortably clear uh, of the others. But you know, there's, there's only four points between the next three. Is that fair? Who goes up third? You know, because um, it's it's, it's, a, it's a tight one. And, and League One, by the way, I mean there's uh, there's like one point separating. Uh, uh, you know, outside of Coventry, we're running away with it. There's like two points or three points separating the next ten so who, who, who decides who goes up second or third I think like the third place there are three teams on the same number of points so it's a real tough one uh, I mean the personally uh, and uh, I see what the, it also causes its own problems you know the real fair thing would, would actually be to avoid the season start again
2: yeah um, but even um, then the, the, Leeds and West Brom would have their their arguments about that wouldn't they
4: but it punishes less number of sides than, than the whole uh, false re- uh, promotion scenario um, because uh, you know there are teams, especially in this championship, who think well, four points is nothing over nine games. We we get that, and we've beaten the team that's third twice. You know, there's. You know, I can see lots of legal ramifications. Whatever they decide to do, I mean, it, it's a decision nobody wants to make. I think.
2: Mm, yeah, it's a real tough one, and like like uh, like we've been saying throughout the show, and you, you, I'm glad it's not me who has to make that decision. Yeah, finally, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh, finally, Ben, obviously, uh, away from from football, we 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 had Jacko and at the start of the pod. Um, and he's he's been entertaining us this week, hasn't he? With his uh, with, with his uh, musical uh, musical talents. So I'm surprised. I, I had absolutely no idea he had. No, it's been quite
5: amazing, hasn't it? Uh, I know I'm into quite a lot of the same music that Jacko's in, so I've been quite looking forward to wondering what song he's going to cover next. But uh, yeah, I think the last one was my favourite because I do I'm a fan of the royal family so if you don't know it's the theme tune for the Royal Family that Oasis song Half the World Away not the actual Royal Family with the Queen and that but um <laughs> but yeah I'm a fan of that TV show so when he um when he changed the words for that song I, I really like that yeah but he's uh he's done some really good songs isn't he he's yeah. uh His singing is definitely
2: up there. Yeah, it's funny, actually, because by the time the people are listening to this, they'll know more than you about what the next song is because Jacko does reveal uh, in in the interview at the start of the pub. Obviously, you haven't had a chance to... uh, I haven't had a chance to send that out to you guys yet. So, obviously, we need to hit that um, that £5,000 target to to get the next song released, Lewis. um, I mean, do do, do you reckon if... uh, if you're well during your your time in furlough you might be able to display a hidden talent that you didn't know you had, like Jacko has here?
6: <laughs> yeah, it take a little while to find one I think. I don't think I've got a huge amount of plan. Maybe I'll see if Jacko wants to form a band. Maybe if he gets to ten grand we can start adding members to it and just get a little little group together. I can get on the drums, I'm sure. We we get something together. You got Tom Lockyer on piano. Be easy. We had this couple of fighting talk, didn't we? We had this yeah. about about uh, Charlton, uh, Charlton players in bands, and none of us picked Johnny Jackson. So it shows uh, how much of a surprise that was, really, when it came out. But like Benji, I was, I was, um, I was. I mean, I say I was surprised. I, I'm in the part where I feel like there's nothing that Johnny Jackson can't do. <laughs> yeah. I think, like, so when I saw it come out, when he, he started playing the guitar, singing, oh, "I hope this is good," because it's Johnny Jackson. I was, uh, yeah, I was very very impressed so and it's all for a great cause so I would encourage you know listeners to keep on donating the songs will keep coming and it's, and it's all for a great cause.
2: Yeah and of course we should mention today of course uh, Terry's 75th birthday of uh, not yourself I'm not going to make that joke this week but, um, <laughs> uh, but, but of Keith Peacock and uh, you know Charlton Legend we, we were uh, lucky enough to release part one of the interview between Suthers and, and Keith Peacock on Wednesday uh, part two will be coming up uh, next Wednesday so uh, I mean make sure you listen to the first uh, the first part I listened to, it, you know, not having been uh, alive when Keith was playing, you can still listen to some of the fascinating stories about what football was like back then. And I'm sure, I mean, you would have had a chance to see him play a few times. So, Yeah, once mm.
4: or twice. I mean, he was in the first team that I ever watched back in 60, um, you know, 67. So, um, and, and there's a bit of some bizarre synergy because my grandson came to his first game, which was just pre-season friendly against Villa. Um, and who did he meet up with outside the ground was, uh, Keith Peacock and, uh, uh, and he was accommodating to my son. He's just a lovely bloke, isn't he? I mean, he is Mr. Charlton. I mean, he's said often and it's and, and bandied around a lot, but it, he, he really is. And he epitomizes everything that's good about Charlton. Um, and uh, Johnny Jackson is uh, fast becoming the same sort of figure, isn't he? I mean, mm. uh, he's making me sick a bit, to be fair. I mean, because uh, he's just uh, multi talented. He's not giving the rest of us blokes a chance, is he, really? I mean, <laughs> he's, he's in there doing a video, we're playing the guitar, singing, we're looking cool. Uh, I think if the uh, if the camera panned away, he'd probably be washing the dishes with one leg and hoovering with the other. You know, and he's <laughs> just uh, he's just a colossus, yeah. is Johnny, and, and I think uh, that that explains what Keith Peacock is to this club just a colossus and and to be fair we should mention the fans as well because you know the upbeat wall couldn't go ahead and the fans stumped up well in excess of the target they were after I mean the company I mean, over doubled it and then now Johnny Jackson's putting his uh, musical talents on the line and, uh, and the fans are responding again and he's uh, and he's, he's breaking the money he'd. so you know it's just at, you know, at a time
2: when the club is going through so much turmoil it's it's great that we can still have um, these things and, and
4: these people to, to connect with.
2: Yeah certainly. And as I said, the uh, second part of Subha's three-part uh, chat with Keith Peacock. We'll be releasing that uh, on our podcast feed on Wednesday coming up, so make sure you uh, listen to that. And like I say, make sure you go back and listen to the first part. It's a really uh, fascinating insight into the life of a man who's, uh, well, been with the club for a very, uh, very long time. Right, lads, I think we've uh, come to the end of this little portion uh, of the podcast. Great to chat to you all, uh, all you guys again this week, and uh, look forward to speaking to you again uh, in the near future. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, mate. Thanks, mate. Take care, everyone. Shelton live right into the final part of the podcast now. I walked down memory lane today, takes us back to the valley as Newcastle were the visitors in March 2006.
0: Ishii chef's cross cut out by Solano to poor clearance straight down the throat of Thomas. Now was he fouled? He was. It's a penalty kick for Shelton Athletic. Brave Moore bringing down his man and giving Charlton a chance to take the lead. Darren Bent scored his first ever senior goal against Newcastle United. And he scored his
7: 20th of the season against them to give Charlton the lead. No doubt, no doubt whatsoever. When he put that ball down, there was only going to be one outcome and that was going to end up in the back of the
5: net.
0: And the OB again, only Solano in the centre at the moment for Newcastle. They go back to Parker, he'll have a go. Oh,
5: Scott Parker! Oh!
0: Well, how about that on your return to the club where it all started? Scott Parker with an absolute beauty! What a strike!
7: Oh my son, go and celebrate. What a goal that was.
0: The other goal he scored was a slightly... Scrappy one, to say the least, it came in the FA Cup against Cheltenham. Oh, there's a scrappy one, an own goal from Newcastle United. Greg Moore is having a horrible afternoon.
7: They always say when you get the opportunity, you just scored a goal. Concentrate, be aware what's happening. Does ever so well here, and it comes off Lebo, he's got absolutely no chance to get out of the way. Horrible, horrible mix up there straight off his knee, Shea given no chance.
0: Boya, the car. Away by Haridison. And now Charlton can break. Then it's Ramadal who has pace to burn. Bothroyd and Darren Bent away in the centre. Romadal, Bothroyd! Well how about that just seconds after coming on? His first touch is to give Charlton a two-goal lead. 3-1 now, they crown the win over Newcastle.
7: You can see Newcastle are pushing on, they lose the ball here, but look how quickly they break. Holland does well, gives it to Rowan Says, get on, exploit the pace, go at people, run at people. Decent movement here, great ball in, Shay given no chance. First touch, what a goal that is, game over.
2: An entertaining 3-1 win over the Geordies towards the end of the 05-06 season had more than its fair share of incidents. Scott Parker's wonder strike on his first return to the Valley following his controversial move to Chelsea two years earlier had cancelled out Darren Bent's opener from the spot. But a comical own goal from the now Cholton boss Lee Bowyer restored the addict's lead before a late Jay Bothroyd header sealed the deal for the home side. The win was just one of two in the final nine league games in that Premier League season as the Addicts suffered their standard end-of-season slump. They would finish 13th that year, having also reached the quarterfinals of the FA Cup and would be rocked by the news that long-serving boss Alan Kirbishley would be stepping down at the end of the campaign. Charlton Live! Right, that's it for this week's pod. Thanks to Johnny Jackson for joining us and also to you guys for listening. Don't forget, part two of Steve Sutherland's chat with Keith Peacock will be released on our feed on Wednesday and we'll be back next weekend with another episode of Charlton Live! I've been Louis Mendez, thanks for joining us and we shall see you soon. Child alive. Child alive. <laughs>